power on. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants tried to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. And the emails come in saying, Stallion, please explain it all. Give us the reality of the situation. Well, the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Here to do just that Woo, by request, baby. Uh, huh. This is an episode that, well, <laughs> just to prove the confusion around the situation. And in fact, just in, in, in what crosses my own bow every day, every week, um, I really haven't heard a single person, not even my hero. And I mean that I I love this guy and it's still my favorite podcast on the planet. Yes. My, my, believe it or not, my own podcast is not my favorite podcast, Uh, but, uh, but Steve Gibson of security. Now, uh, I was even very disappointed in what he and Leo, uh, had to say about none other than Amazon sidewalk. Uh, an episode, I believe it was episode 821. This is their most recent episode. But then I even look at a lot of the tech press, some of which are journalists that I respect, and even they're missing the point and getting it all wrong. And so when people say to me, Stallion, why do you do sovereign tech? Well, first off, it's a lot of fun, but also, <laughs> well, no, it is fun. <laughs> okay. Flap my app behind a microphone. That's a good time. Uh, sometimes we don't have the most fun things to talk about in this episode, unfortunately won't be much different, but when they ask me, why do you do sovereign tech? My answer is always the same. And it's been the same for 10 years. And that is my opinions are not represented and not just my opinions, but also the information that is right in front of every eye to see is not being collated or discussed by anyone else on the fucking planet. So that's why I'm here. And I know people are asking, I mean, cause this is another supplemental episode. Where, are, where are the prime episodes of sovereign tech? When are they coming, baby? You've been, you've been, you know, hyping them up. Where are they? Let me tell you, <laughs> I don't want to just like get behind the mic and say, Oh, you have no idea how busy I am. I mean, no one does, but that, I don't have to do that. Uh, let's just say I have been having conversations. I, I cannot say who. Uh, or I, I don't wish to say who, um, I mean, legally I can't, but I'm an anarchist. You know how much I give a shit about laws. (laughs) I don't. Wow. Look what went in the toilet. All right. Uh, I I'm, I've had conversations and I'm amazed by this, (laughs) frankly, because I don't know why it took 10 years for, for some of this to happen, but regardless, Hey, they're going to hear this. So, you know, whatever they, they know how I feel. And I've said it. Um, but I've had conversations with, um, interesting and interested parties that, uh, that excite me admittedly to, to, I mean, they really, really excite me. So I will leave it at that, but that's, what's going on. 
And, and yes, also, you know, my time, I mean, man, <laughs> I wish 2020 was a vacation. I really, really wish it was. It was not in 2021 has been uh, no different. And certainly there's no vacation here uh, when it comes to matters of the reality around new technologies that get, well, one could argue forced upon us. I mean, you can walk away from it all, sure, and not a bad idea, but, you know, to some degree, if you want to engage the modern world, buy and sell, travel, whatever else, uh, that sounds like that comes out of some kind of apocalyptic book. But anyway, uh, you know, you're kind of forced, kind of, uh, unless you're really, really clever, which is, of course, what we like to talk about here as well. You're kind of forced into some of these technologies. Uh, we're going to talk about Amazon Sidewalk like I said at the top, but not only that, this episode is actually going to be a triple header. Um, we are going to talk about it's all Amazon and it's all new developments and none of it is good. Not that you'd expect anything good from a company like Amazon. Uh, some of which I had hinted at recently on TIE fighter renegades with my co-host and brother Rob. And, um, we'll get into that, but we're going to talk. Well, anyway, why spoil the surprise? We've got three big stories. Well, one's not like big. I think it's big, but maybe everyone else wouldn't uh, because nobody reads books anymore. But I think it's a big story and I think it's relevant to the second story that we're going to get into. But we'll we'll get into that. Uh, but let's open it up. Let's let's get on with the tech here, baby. And let's talk about Amazon Sidewalk. Now, what is happening here is that on June 8th, which will probably only be a couple or a few days before this episode gets released on June 8th, Amazon is going to activate their quasi important to use that term, their quasi peer to peer network uh, between their echo devices and some other devices. We'll get into details here. Uh, they will activate that by default on all of your, you know, again, echo devices and, and some others. Uh, you have until June 8th to opt out to keep that from turning on. I guess the, the switch is there. I don't have an echo device, um, but I've seen, uh, some of the, actually you can even, hell, you can even ask Alexa to do it for you. <laughs> so, um, I put in the show notes, there's a story from the verge, which I felt had the most comprehensive breakdown, uh, because it's not just echo devices. It's also ring doorbell, ring video, etc. ring devices. Uh, there's also tile. We'll talk about those. Um, but how to turn it off on all of these different devices. Um, I, I have that shown. I have that in the show notes, a link for how to do it. But so here's, here's part of the problem is that the way that the tech press was putting this out there. And even a lot of podcasts is that they were saying, again, we'll break down what sidewalk is more, even though if you've already been a listener of sovereign tech for a long time, we already, we covered sidewalk the week that it was announced way, way back. Uh, in fact, it was episode, um, 344 of sovereign tech from October 5th, 2019. So about a year and a half ago, I already covered sidewalk. I already told you a year and a half ago why you don't want this. And it has n almost nothing to do with what everyone else is talking about. Okay. Already covered it, already done it, already did a breakdown of the tech around it, all of that. Um, Steve Gibson actually did a recent episode also where he kind of re retreaded that ground. Uh, and he did a great breakdown of that, which, you know, I certainly recommend listening to that. Um, 
But regardless, we already went over it. Anyway, uh, here's the thing is that a lot of people think, holy shit, if I don't opt out before June 8th, that uh, I'm stuck. Like then I'm, I'm done. I'm going to be stuck in sidewalk and that every Amazon device that I buy from now on is going to be stuck in, you know, using or, or at, with sidewalk activated. No. Um, and this is the thing. I mean, like I said, I got so many emails of people asking, Hey, you know, what, what is this? What do I do? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, the real answer is fucking, you know, light your echoes and rings on fire. But, um, <laughs> I know, I know for whatever reason, people won't do that. Uh, but regardless, uh, a lot of people seem to think like I needed to do this episode right away. Now I am going to get it out before the eighth. That's fine. You know, to, to warn people, uh, but you can turn off, you can opt in and opt out of sidewalk at any time. Okay. That's, that's the bottom line here. So if you're worried that, Oh, I'm listening to this too late. No, you're not. You, if, if you didn't know about it though, it's doubtful that you didn't hear about it. Um, I imagine, I would hope that Amazon has sent out emails about it. Um, but you can opt out and re-opt in if you really want to, uh, at any point. But, you know, before we go any further, I mean, I get it. Sovereign Tech gets new listeners all the time. Um, I mean, actually this year alone in 2021 has seen a steep rise, which probably led to some of the recent conversations that I've had, but sometimes when I get these messages or I get these emails, you know, and I, and I know, I, I mean, even I can't really keep track of everything I've really talked about. I can usually remember what I've talked about when something comes up. Um, I know, you know, there's thousands, you know, over, I mean, thousands of hours, over a thousand episodes overall of sovereign tech, uh, available out there. So it's a lot to take in, but man, you know, like this is why I implore you to, and part of the reason I had been doing the recent ultimate series is to bring really what I could call my, even though it shouldn't just be my, but my, my, my Prisca technologia, you know, my, like the prime concepts behind technology that I think you want to, that, that you do well to integrate into how you interact with you know, the, the, the Silicon Valley, uh, hammered future <laughs> that we're living in the dystopia that we're living in, but I can barely imagine the technology, even if it's something that takes us to outer space or whatever. And what do we do when we go to outer space and all this other crap? Not that that'd be crap. That'd be amazing. Or, you know, like I, I just, in 10 years, there's, there cannot, I, I, I just can't imagine really I mean, there's, there's new subjects to get into all the time. Yes. I shouldn't say that, but the, you know, the, the, the foundation, the framework, the groundwork, the, the base level in which you engage anything new that comes out, I pretty much guarantee has been discussed at some point throughout sovereign tech's history. And I say this to implore you, there's, you know, I know so many people, Oh, where's the new episode? Where's there's so many years of evergreen content to go back on, please like go back and enjoy. Maybe I should start, you know, I did this a little bit where I, I do uh, like classic conversations or I did sovereign tech rewinds where I re-released really important episodes. Maybe that's something I, I, you know, I should do more of, 
Um, I know a lot of podcasts do that when they start getting into their, you know, in, like when they've been around for a decade, because there's a lot of conversations that, you know, you don't need to have, uh, you don't need to retread, but you could basically re-release and make available for, for people now. So maybe that's something that I should do. In fact, really the episode that I did around Amazon sidewalk would be a fantastic thing to re-release because it also speaks to much of a lot of Apple's announcements that they've done this year, uh, in 2021. So maybe I will do that, but I'm not lazy like other podcasters. I will put in updated info at the beginning. I do, you know, 15 to 20 minute, you know, uh, uh, intros, new intros. Whenever I do these re-releases, I don't just put them out there, you know, willy nilly. Okay. And say, ah, ha, ha, there's content for you. Yay. I get to survive another week or something like that. No, I, I know other podcasts do that. That's not the way I play. I make sure you have a reason, uh, you know, even for long time listeners to listen to it again. So anyway, I do implore you to go back and I mean, maybe you don't want to listen to every episode of Sovereign Tech, but again, like I said, I guarantee you that if you did check out most of the corpus, even of Sovereign Tech's history, you will know there is nothing new that Silicon Valley could really come out with that you don't know how to engage. Really. And of course, if you want to listen to those episodes, you hit up SovereignTech.com, go for it. So, all right, Amazon Sidewalk. Let's uh, let, let's talk about Sidewalk uh, just a little bit. And in fact, I'm going to read. So the story from The Verge that I included in the show notes, I'm going to read a little bit from that. Um, here we go. Do you own an Echo Studio, an Echo Dot, or a Ring Floodlight Cam? If so, Amazon is about to introduce your device to a new type of network it calls Sidewalk, which is meant to help extend the range of its low bandwidth devices so that if your network goes down, for example, your Dot can piggyback on your neighbors, uh, you know, on their neighbors, on your neighbor's network, and also to make location devices such as Tile more efficient. Now, let me stop for a second here. Let's talk about Tile. Okay, because there's three companies that are basically a, a part of this. And you have, or I mean, even though Ring is owned by Amazon and so on. Um, so you have the Echo devices, okay, that, that this is going to affect. Um, and I'll give you a complete list uh, as of June 2021 of what those devices uh, are as we go on. So you have Echo or, you know, if Amazon's Echo devices, you have the Ring devices, and you have uh, Tile. Now, Tile is a company that's actually been around for a little while, been around since 2012, and they make little tags that uh, you could like put in pet collars or, you know, uh, on, on child collars or wait, I, <laughs> I think some parents do, do, do basically whether, whether literally or metaphorically put collars on their children, it's deplorable. But most of these little, you know, you could put it on luggage, right? Most of these little location tag devices, uh, Tile, historically, they, they've run off of Bluetooth, right? Like uh, Bluetooth 4.0 are probably their latest ones. Um, when we get into the list of Amazon devices, we'll mention how they're actually developing uh, what's called Fetch, which is a pet collar uh, that they're working on with Amazon that specifically uses all of the frequencies that Sidewalk operates on. But that's upcoming. I don't think that's been released yet, but that that's called fetch. Uh, anyway, tile is just that. It's very similar in function, but of course, has been around a lot longer uh, because, you know, again, Apple doesn't innovate than Apple's AirTag, uh, which. 
I'm I'm trying to. <laughs> when I first heard about the AirTag getting announced earlier this year, I was just trying to imagine the person who who basically says, "I want, I don't want just because I carry my iPhone, I don't just want Apple to know where I am and what I'm doing at all times. I want them to know where everything I own is. I want that. I mean." Like just the amount of information that people just want to hand over. I mean, in the air tag costs $29. You're paying for the privilege. You know, they should be giving these out for free because they're making a hell of a lot more than $29 off of the data of where all your shit is. Whatever. Uh, so it's similar to that. And certainly sidewalk uh, overall. And as I discussed in the previous episode of sovereign tech from 2019, when we first discussed sidewalk, actually the whole episode basically covered, covered Amazon slash, you know, and and the sidewalk protocol. And we talked about more about AirPods and, but it was all about Apple and Amazon, how they were doing the same thing. And I brought up the same point that Apple has really already had something similar to sidewalk called the multi-peer connectivity framework. They've had it since like the iPhone five. This is not new for them where they could basically with iPhones alone could create an entire peer to peer uh, network. They could create their own alternate internet if they wanted to. Um, and that gets into some of the interesting, you know, numbers around sidewalk as well, which again, we also discussed in 2019. So, all right, I'm all over the place. What sidewalk does. Okay. Well, here, let's, let's read more. I told you about tile and what that is. If you hadn't heard of them before, now you know what they are. Let me keep reading from the verge story. Then we'll talk about, you know, more of the text or, you know, more of the tech specs and, we'll get into the list of devices. Um, according to Amazon sidewalk, will use Bluetooth, low energy, uh, the 900 megahertz spectrum and other frequencies quote to simplify new device setup, extend the low bandwidth working range of devices and help devices stay online and up to date. Even if they are outside the range of home Wi-Fi. end quote, that last part is probably the most interesting, uh, because basically it's saying, well, if there isn't Wi-Fi around, but, and this is where, this is why I say quasi peer to peer, because it's still using Wi-Fi somewhere, right? Even if it's only using a little bit of it and we know what that number is, uh, actually the specific number for how much, how much data that it, that it, that sidewalk would use, that would basically siphon off of Wi-Fi routers all, you know, wherever they're it's connected, uh, is about, uh, 80, 80 kilobits per second. So, I mean, that that's compared to say, I don't know, like an HD video that you're watching. That's, I don't know, about a 50th perhaps of, 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 you know, the the amount of data, but anyway, any of these devices that you happen to have that work with sidewalk, uh, could use the sidewalk protocol to connect, even if there's not, you know, and even, even if there's no Wi-Fi in range. So uh, let's see, it will do, I'm reading more from the verge. It will do this by essentially sharing the connectivity of your compatible devices with that of your neighbors. Amazon says that sidewalk will get switched on this coming uh, June 8th. Uh, Tile functionality will be enabled June 14th and that it plans to automatically opt in all the eligible devices. So let's stop on that and talk about that point for a second. This is the part that got a lot of um, supposed, and I use that term, intentionally supposed, uh, uh, you know, privacy, uh, stalwarts and privacy advocates, um, and privacy activists. Okay. Uh, this is the part that got them bothered. Right. 
And not all of them though, because there's plenty, frankly, there's plenty of outlets that I could list off that earlier in 2021, when everybody was saying, oh, signal is great, but telegram sucks because you have to opt in to the secret chats. You have to opt in to end to end encryption. Those same, every single one of those outlets should be complaining, shouting from the mountaintops. Don't use, you know, Amazon echo devices anymore because they were telling you, they weren't just saying, Hey, you should opt into end to end encryption on telegram. They were saying, don't use telegram, use signal. So, you know, they're just going for the nuclear option. Great. All right. I'm not saying that I don't disagree with that at points. I don't necessarily disagree with telegram, but then, you know, there's a way to use telegram and I'm not going to get into that conversation again. Uh, we we've covered it in too many episodes. Like I said, go back. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you will hear it. Go ahead and rock it at two X, uh, or, or faster. If you like, uh, I imagine I sound quite funny, but I'm, I'm, you know, go for it. But this is, I mean, it's a legitimate thing to complain about that you are being automatically, you know, that, that it's, it's not opt in it's opt out of Amazon sidewalk functionality. It's going to automatically get turned on. You have to consciously choose to opt out of it. It really should be, you know, uh, it should be like by default, it should be, um, opt out. Like basically it should not be turned on by default. It should be something you want to turn on, but Amazon knows if it wasn't turned on by default, nobody would turn it on <laughs> because, well, I mean, to be fair for one, I kind of feel like the average person that really likes using their Alexa, like there, there is a major demographic of, of echo users. We'll say that don't understand technology really at all. They love that. They just get to talk to something and something happens, you know, in, in our, in our interconnected world. There absolutely is a tech savvy demographic for the echo. I'm not, not saying there isn't. Okay. But Amazon knows who, who they're going after, right? They, they know what mar- they're not going to get. Amazon's not going to get Apple's market. They're not, I mean, they might get some of the affluent, but they know that their, their strategy for getting their devices in as many hands and homes as possible is to go after the far less than affluent right? They don't even want the Google crowd. Okay. I feel like Google's kind of middle of the road, (laughs) you know, they're like, they're very mid range. Amazon knows, no, we want to, you know, we want to hook in your kids. We want to hook in grandma. We want to hook in all the demographics, uh, that basically couldn't afford Apple products or that aren't smart enough to desire say the flexibility of Android, or I shouldn't say smart enough, tech savvy enough. Okay because there are incredibly intelligent people that aren't tech savvy at all. And in fact, I think they're almost more intelligent for not being tech savvy. <laughs> There's, there are days. Okay. Where I feel that way, but it's not a zero sum game. As far as knowledge, I'm just saying, I don't want to like somehow say, because somebody isn't tech savvy that they're stupid by no means. That's not remotely true though. Admittedly, if you want to engage the tech world, I recommend you have a modicum of understanding of how all this works, or at least have a friend of some kind that you trust that does, because I mean, this kind of speaks to the whole problem here is that, yeah, (laughs) the intelligent person would, you know, say, look at an iPhone and say, I don't know how it does that. So I'm not getting one. 
or, you know, I don't know how that works. So fuck it. I'm not touching it. That's, that's a very intelligent position to come from. The less intelligent position is, oh, I don't fucking understand how that works, but um, this might get me laid. So fine, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it <laughs> and I'll use it and, and I'll whore out all my data all day long uh, or your echo device. Right. That's the less intelligent position to be coming from. But again, Amazon knows that if they didn't turn it on automatically, uh, that nobody would turn it on because a lot of their audience doesn't even understand like how to do this in settings, right? They, they just don't. And they're going to be happy that, well, the shit just works. Okay. So, you know, like some of these journalists, I do hold this against Amazon as compared to where I don't necessarily hold it against telegram, because I feel like if you're going to use telegram, you're already on, on a certain tech savvy level as to where with Amazon, their demographic is absolutely not the tech savvy. Right. And, and I, I think that's just a fact when you look at all of their other devices. So, you know, like devices geared towards children, that's abundantly obvious. I mean, yeah. Does Apple have devices geared towards children? Sure. You could argue the iPod touch is meant for kids. It's meant to be their first iOS device, but no, but, but that's, that's wholly different than Amazon where Amazon's like, here's your Amazon kids fire tablet and it's indestructible and you can replace it. It has a lifetime warranty or whatever. Yeah. That's gearing at kids. Kids, I mean, you know, and children, you cannot expect them to understand, you know, how all this necessarily functions. Now it's important to bring up and actually there's probably a good reason because I want to get into the list of devices here that this is going to, to operate on. And then I will get into the real problem, the real concerns of sidewalk. Okay. Because you're like, Oh, Amazon said there it's a multiple layers of encryption. Everything's fine. That data is not going to go anywhere. They can't collect it. They're not going to see it. I don't care if the data is encrypted. There's something else we got to talk about. And that's data about data. That's metadata. We'll get into that. So let's start this off the, the device list. This will not be a part of any fire tablets. Okay. Um, I actually enjoy my fire tablet just because it's basically an Android tablet that takes the tablet format seriously. Um, if another company released high powered, uh, tablets outside of China, because in China there, there's Android tablets everywhere. I mean, you know, Lenovo's releasing them and everything, but if there's another company that regularly updated, uh, and, and took seriously the tablet format, uh, you know, in the United States, um, I do it. Amazon just happens to be the only one because I'm not buying an iPad. But ultimately, I think the reason that this was not activated on uh, Fire tablets was because, and it's not like Fire tablets don't have Bluetooth. It's not like they couldn't, you know, use this uh, 900 megahertz, you know, Loha range or lo Loha, Lora range. Um, I mean, maybe it doesn't have the frequency, you know, range to do that, but you could easily put a chip in to do so. Um, I think the reason for that is, is because then people would be able to, you know, basically accuse Amazon of they're going after our children, right? Because if this, you know, shareability, uh, uh, you know, with sidewalk was on all your kids devices, I mean, then, you know, pri once privacy advocates can bring in the safety of your kids, uh, you know, their, their arguments as far as validity or not, not validity, but how seriously they get taken by the masses go up about a hundred fold. 
Okay. So I think that's, that's a big part of that because again, I mean, just look at the price range of most fire tablets, $50, you know, even the kids ones, I mean, it's all low end. It's all inexpensive. Okay. You can tell just by the price who they're going after. So I'm glad they're not on, on fire tablets at the same time. I think there's a slightly there's there's a marketing play as to why they're not why you know sidewalk isn't activated on fire tablets. Uh, anyway, in the future, could that change? Could I really envision where especially like maybe even e-ink readers that have historically been able to use 3G and other things, you know, like AT&T's 3G for free and all that, uh, where they might switch over to using sidewalk? Yeah, I, I could see that coming, uh, especially on the higher end like the Kindle Oasis or maybe on like paper whites or whatever, I could see where, where that sort of thing could happen. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and predict that absolutely it will. I mean, if this takes off, if it works for Amazon, you know, in, in five, 10 years, maybe it'd be on every Amazon device. Uh, I mean, I do think, and and I know we, we kind of got into the technicals. I want to explain more though. Uh, I do think part of the end game here is for Amazon to have an entire alternative internet. Uh, just like, I think it's the same reason that Apple has, you know, the, the MPCF, you know, has the multi-peer connectivity framework in their iOS devices. I think it's the same reason that Google launches balloons and why Facebook launches uh, Titan gliders and everything else. Um, this idea of getting away from the telcos, especially Amazon to do so, to get away from, you know, needing to worry about Verizon, to get away from AT&T, to get away from, you know, these other, I mean, the tech giants are one thing. The telco giants are a whole other beast. Just like, you know, I mean, yes, the tech giants do seem so dominant because they get so much press, but as far as privacy concerns, telcos and credit card companies, okay. Or banks, you know, kind of the same thing, kind of. Uh, those are far more concerning, right? Than even, even the tech giants. Granted, most tech giants are getting into the finance game now. So as well as uh, arguably they are getting into the, let's create a network, you know, for everybody to connect to game, which is what Amazon sidewalk is all about. And to understand the validity of that, um, I mean, Amazon has had sidewalk and test for a long time with, basically their own devices. And we talked about this back in 2019. Basically they found that they could have uh, sidewalk connectivity throughout the entire city of Los Angeles. Picture how big Los Angeles is. They could cover, they could blanket Los Angeles with the sidewalk protocol with only 700 devices. Be that echo, um, you know, or ring, uh, tile. I don't know that that would be, that's more of a tracking device. I mean, that's not, I, I don't, I don't exactly think that that tile is, I mean, boy, that, that gets into whole other realms. If, if the, and I I'd have to, to get the, 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 the information on this. Like, I, I don't think it's been made public, but if tile, if like your pet collar was able to transmit sidewalk, you know, was able to, to be part of that protocol. Oh, that's fucking creepy right? <laughs> Basically you got animals running around just spreading internet everywhere they go or, you know, sp spreading a data connection anyway. But let's, let's talk about, let's go down the list. Okay. Of devices, uh, that, that will, you know, use and transmit sidewalk. 
so we have uh, the ring floodlight cam from 2019. And I want to bring up the years. It's important because again, they've been working on this since 2019. So if your device is older than that, it probably doesn't have it. Um, ring spotlight cam uh, wired. So it's a video camera uh, from 2019. I know you, you were you expecting your, <laughs> were you expecting your, uh, uh, you, you know, your video camera to, to be part of like an entire peer to peer network like this. No, you didn't, but whatever you bought it. Uh, let's see the ring spotlight cam mount from 2019. So even your camera mount is going to be a node on this network. Um, hmm. uh, the echo either third generation or newer, uh, the echo dot third generation and newer, the echo dot for kids. Oh, there's that kid's device. Yikes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, third gen and newer, uh, echo dot with clock. Uh, third gen and newer echo plus uh, all generations of the echo plus the echo show, uh, including all generations and models of that, the echo spot, the echo studio, the echo input and the echo flex. Holy hell. What a line of devices that is. And I mean, what is everything's got to be in that from glasses to who knows what anyway. So um, the verge does go on a little bit to talk about questions have been raised as to how this could impact the privacy of your data. Amazon has made a white paper available that lays out how customer information is being protected. But if you are still not reassured by this and would rather not participate in Amazon's good neighbor program, as it were, uh, you can opt out before sidewalk gets switched on. And again, like I said, you can opt out after the fact too. You can opt in and opt out. You can go back and forth if you want to like test it out for some reason or, or whatever. Okay. Um, so let that basically gets in the list of what uses it, what it's about, when it's going to launch, there's your details. So I guess before I get into the issues, let, let me say the positive here. And actually I had said this in 2019. The positive is that this effectively proves again, the entire city of LA with only 700 devices had data connection throughout the entire city, no internet required, like as in no big, bad internet. Okay. I mean, yes, like sidewalk is going to connect to Wi-Fi at, you know, the varying points that it needs to or wants to, but this could effectively work completely peer to peer, not just quasi peer to peer where it's connected to Wi-Fi, you know, where it's connected to the big bad internet. Uh, this could work, you know, fully peer to peer. And it just proves that peer to peer can work, that a peer to peer network is absolutely possible, even within a city. Again, the internet could go completely dark and theoretically sidewalk could, well, not just the, I mean, the theoretical is the situation. The technology isn't theoretical sidewalk could function and devices could communicate with each other. Uh, granted at a, you know, somewhat lower band, uh, but still like it would easily work for making phone calls uh, more, even easier for sending texts or whatever else. A lot of what you do say on a, uh, you know, be it a smartphone, maybe even a laptop, you know, or a computer or something could all happen through this. I mean, video is going to be a problem. Yep. We've talked about, we've beat that horse a million times on sovereign tech about how video is what really ultimately kills, uh, you know, any of these kinds of peer to peer network efforts because, Oh, I, I just, fuck, I just got to have Netflix. Oh, I've got to have YouTube. have to have it, have to have it. What is life without video to consume? It's actually pretty fucking amazing. Let me tell you, but whatever. <laughs> okay. 
Not that I don't watch movies or anything. Of course I do, but God damn it. Yeah. People. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not uninteresting that, you know, ultimately this is to, yes. I mean, there is the ring video doorbell, you know, that, that would operate through this, but of course that's not always like most high res video and everything else, but this is all about powering a bunch of like audio devices, right? Which is fairly easy to do, you know, with, even at the, with this data rate. Um, but I digress. This proves that we could have peer to peer networks and that they work because we've been told for a very long time, especially by uh, the tech giants, that that's not really possible. You've got to connect to the big, bad internet. No, you don't. And you can have a very, very useful uh, uh, interconnectivity. You can have a very, very useful network without the internet that is not just useful, but also durable. It is um, reliable and has multiple redundancies. Perfect. But that's not what this is about. So again, that's the only positive I've got is that this is a, an example of how we could do things another way, how we could have multiple internets. We could have internets that are more regionally based that handle more because the big, bad internet sucks at local. We've talked about that a million times. Um, you know, like we, we could really have our own networks that don't rely upon Comcast, you know, governments or whatever. We could just lay out our own devices that have the same technicals and they could all communicate or similar technicals, I suppose. But then let's get into the rub. Let's get into the negatives here. Let's say that Amazon is playing absolutely on the up and up and that the data say, whatever you happen to say to an echo device is encrypted. Okay. Um, you know, on, on the sidewalk network. Okay. And so you couldn't have a man in the middle that could collect that data. That data is still going to Amazon, but even that's not necessarily the problem here. So we'll give, we'll give Amazon the benefit of the doubt that the data is absolutely encrypted. There's no man in the middle. Um, and they're not going to hand over, uh, like data that travels. And I'm saying data, there's, there's something other than data and that's metadata. I mean, metadata is still a kind of data, but I'm differentiating these two here. Let's say that they do encrypt that data. No one gets to look at it, blah, 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 or hear it, whatever. Okay. Let's say that's all true. There's still a massive problem. And this is what annoyed me actually about the recent episode of security. Now is that like, you know, they're talking about the issues of like network security and these other things. That's not the problem here. The network security. I'm not saying, look, the, what the technological feat that Amazon has implemented here and what they're making happen is ultimately brilliant minus the connectivity to Wi-Fi. It's ultimately brilliant and a good thing. And like I said, points in the direction that we can go technologically that is more respectful to the individual and even to communities and so on. So I don't disagree there, right? This is being implemented right in so many ways. My ultimate concern here is the part that Amazon's not really addressing at all, which is the metadata of when all of these differing devices ping each other, because some of these devices like the echo dots, um, those are meant to be mobile, like, right. They're battery powered and so on. Um, you know, these devices constantly pinging and your devices 
look, it's, it's fine. You can say, well, yeah, but whatever I say to the echo is being encrypted. Yes, but your device has to be, has to be, listen to me, has to be. This is true for every single Amazon device made from fire tablets to the echo frames to the, you know, what any echo device has to be logged into an Amazon account that effectively is attributed to you. Now, I mean, you can make a, a bogus Amazon account if you want. Okay. That's not a bad idea to have anyway, have a dummy account. Maybe you see that as some kind of a solution. All right. But your, these devices are going to be pinging everywhere. And that kind of geographic tagging is some of the most important information that any business advertiser attack attacker, right? Like some kind of bad actor or government can collect about people. That is precious, precious data and nothing is being done about that. And I do think it's a matter of time before more mobile Amazon devices, not just the echo dot, but say like the echo frames, right? The glasses or I don't know, pick your device. Maybe it'll be the tablet someday. Maybe, um, where they will use sidewalk. Okay. To, to be able to constantly, you know, be connected without needing to pop in 5g chips and, and whatever else. It's not an interesting too. I mean, 5g ultimately kind of works this way as well. It does make you wonder who's the company that really, really wants 5g. I don't think Apple ever really wanted 5g. I don't think, I mean, I think 5g comes down to the telcos because that gives them the kind of data that Amazon is effectively, effectively going to have with sidewalk. Okay. Um, I think a lot, maybe Google wanted 5g, but I, I think a lot of the tech giants really didn't want to go into, I mean, they, they are going into 5g, uh, because the telcos are, are almost making it a requirement. And I'm not saying the tech giants are good guys in this, not at all. I'm just saying that, you know, let, let, let's, let's bigger picture this. This is this idea of, of devices pinging everywhere and being able to constantly track. It doesn't matter what the data is, as long as you know who the person is. And as long as you just have that attached account on the device that the device requires to have, you know, to be able to even ping other nodes. Okay. Whether that's and you know, pick, pick whatever that is, your multi-peer connectivity framework, whether it's, um, you know, 5g, whether it's Amazon sidewalk, you take your pick. It's all about the device having an attached account that is attached to an identity that that data can then be collated and collected and compared to everything else that you're doing. And it should not go unmentioned the multiple contracts that Amazon has with uh, police departments and, you know, basically other enforcement structures uh, that, are they going to be willing to hand over again? Okay. Maybe they won't hand over what you fucking said, uh, to, you know, to, to your, your echo. Right. I mean, this is the part that people miss because you know, you know what? A lot of people were arguing back at this about, okay. They were saying, well, Amazon actually has a great track record of not handing over your data. Remember the murder that happened? Was it in Arkansas where they would not hand over the, uh, the, the, the echo data, um, from the guy's house or whatever you're missing the point. Like, and, and granted, yes, the police could tell just by seeing it, but the problem was that there was an echo device in the house at all. 
and that the police knew it and that they knew they had some kind of access point to go after. <laughs> it's not even about whether or not they're willing to hand over the data. The fact is, is that the device is there and the device can tell a story. Okay. Even just in its own existence, it can tell a story. That's why they went after that data because they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Some of the correlating information we have here uh, is, is troubling. You know, give us just the rest of the puzzle, but they still had parts of the puzzle. Don't give them parts of the puzzle at all. So am I recommending that you turn this off? Well, of course I am. Is it just really a soft switch that Amazon could have on anyway and you don't know about it? Yeah, sure. Of course I'm saying that too. <laughs> Which is why I'm saying toss your fucking Echo device into a goddamn fire. I mean, you're crazy if you think that ultimately... The geolocation in geographic data like, is so key. I mean, Apple, actually, you can hear this in the episode from 2019 as well. Back then, Apple developed the U1 chip, right, that they're putting in all their devices. The purpose of the U1 chip was geolocation. Like, it was meant to be a far superior GPS device that would actually even, you know, help them out with geolocation within structures and buildings and everything. They want this. They And, and, and you could say... Well, Apple encrypts all, they're not encrypting the data from the U1 chip. What are you talking about? It's, it's, it's a ruse. It's a fucking, I mean, and, and I hate that so many podcasts and so many, uh, um, so many like uh, news organ, news outlets were coming out against this and, and almost none of them were talking about the metadata. The, and, and the fact that like these devices are pinging each other and about the, you know, about the, the geolocation data and everything else, nobody, or at least no one that I saw, that's the biggest problem. It's just like, it's like people who think, oh, targeted ads are, are such a good thing. No, targeted ads are just that they are targeting you. They can tell a story about you. They give data about you that is useful to whatever party out there. And frankly, anybody that you're not actively seeking the help of, in my opinion, is basically a hostile organization. That's true for businesses trying to sell you shit. Go down the list. To, I mean, to government's help. <laughs> if, if you're not looking for something, Okay. And something's just kind of like getting, getting put upon you. I mean, I think I personally, I feel like that's just like actively working against you. I mean, it might not be threatening your life, but it's, it's at the very least it's annoying you. So the privacy concerns around this are absolutely valid, absolutely valid. And maybe the biggest issue is that like, you know, all the device action that happens on this network is ultimately attached to an account. That's a problem. That account is attached to a serial number. That serial number is on a device. That device is pinging all these other devices and saying what's going on and giving activity information. It may not be to, again. Okay. So a man in the middle can't fucking get access to whatever you happen to be saying or asking of Alexa or whatever else. That does not mean that there is not information going out there that can track you. Now it's funny because I guarantee you that if I somehow by some miracle of Satan got to sit down in front of an Amazon executive. And I said, everything I just told you, you know what they would tell me? I know what they would tell me because they've said it before. Amazon executives have said this before and they weren't wrong. They said, uh, you're barking up the wrong tree, daddy. You, you 
should be worried about that smartphone. Our devices don't do shit compared to what your smartphone tells about you and does about you and, and, you know, and affects your privacy. They're hundred percent right. I wouldn't argue against them, but then would I argue against carrying a smartphone around with you all the time or carrying a connected device of some kind around with you all the time? You bet your ass I would. And I do on this show. Are any of these, uh, you know, any, any of these, uh, uh, news outlets telling you, Hey, Oh, oh, you know, boy, Amazon, what they're doing. Oh, it's so creepy. So bad. Are they saying anything about maybe you should question that smartphone? Nope. Not a peep crickets, fucking crickets everywhere. I mean, something, you know, that I was actually supportive of and I, and I've, I've championed and talked about on sovereign tech in the past um, is that, you know, if communities, you know, I mean, another way to do this is that if, if, and, and I actually, I think Steve Gibson might've even mentioned this on that, on the recent, was it episode eight twenty one there? Um, about how, you know, a decade ago, you know, years ago, well, like when Wi Fi routers were first a thing, um, a lot of people kept them open. So, you know, their neighbor could access and everything and, you know, happy go lucky. Uh, of course, a lot of people don't do that now because now we have legal precedent. We have a legal history of rulings against people who, even if they didn't do the, uh, what was considered illicit action on that Wi-Fi network, because it occurred on their Wi-Fi network, the owner of that, of that Wi-Fi router or of the home that that was connected to whatever, uh, is held liable for the activity that happened on, you know, via their router, you know, or via their, their modem. So everybody locks down their modems, right? Because they, you know, in the routers, because their Wi-Fi networks, because they don't want to be held accountable in a court of law about what happens on their fucking network. Somebody's, I don't know, doing some disgusting shit with, uh, with child porn, which is all disgusting. Whatever that happens to be, but in a, not even in a perfect world. Like the best thing, because the real answer to that isn't, well, we should all lock down our Wi-Fi networks so that people can't, uh, you know, do egregious shit on our networks. No, no, no. IP data and all that should not be admissible in a court of law. I mean, you know, people do still, especially, I mean, it's today it's to the point where it's like everybody has their own device of whatever stripe be it a smartphone or, or, you know, every home is a laptop or whatever, but you know, years ago, like maybe a home had one computer and everybody, you know, the whole family shared it or visitors shared it or whatever, you know, I'd go over to my uncle's house and I'd connect to the internet there or whatever, you know, like it just didn't make sense to hold anybody accountable for what gets done on a device, right? Because there's the chance that a bunch of different people, you know, had used that, that same device that can still ultimately be true. And so, you know, what happens via or what occurs via an IP address uh, or via a network or router, you know, modem should not be held accountable against anybody. And then, you know, we, we could all have open Wi-Fi networks, right? Where everybody could have, I mean, then, you know, you wouldn't even need sidewalk because all these Wi-Fi networks would be, uh, you know, open and you could access it everywhere. And I mean, the, the possibilities are amazing at that stage, especially considering the range, um, you know, of, of, what Wi-Fi routers ultimately could do. Um, 
I mean, that, that, that could be amazing. And, and some attempts had been done like that in, in New York City and other cities where they were trying to create like this open network, very similar to Sidewalk, just using, you know, not this, uh, this somewhat newer protocol. But I think, I think that's a fine idea. But the problem is, is that, well, wherever the device was, I mean, and, and again, that sets the precedent for how this could, how what Sidewalk does could be used against you. Well, you got this device ID and it's yours. You're screwed, you know, <laughs> because your device said, you know, or what, or your device was here at this point in time. So you must be complicit in this theft or murder or whatever. I mean, it's crazy. So this is a bad idea. Um, ultimately <laughs> I have other subjects I really want to get into other things I want to discuss with you. Um, so I think we should cut to that. But the metadata, the device ID, and ultimately your account, like, are enough to consider this a problem. I mean, you're just like, you're just piling on more data collection of yourself. And you get no, really, you get no benefit out of it. What? Because you can talk to something and it orders, I don't know, dish detergent for you? Somehow you think that that's, a, that's, a tr that's an okay trade-off? The mind boggles how cheap you hold yourself. I mean, it's so funny because you've got, especially like a lot of libertarians and other types of anarchists. I mean, and caps and comms, all of them, whatever. They're always talking about, Oh boy, the, the powers that be, you know, the government, the, the corporate corporations, you know, corporatism, whatever, you know, all, all real, you know, like, Oh, that they're, they, they don't value us as human beings. They just see us as slaves or they see us as this or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you don't value yourself. Like you're giving them every signal digitally and, and in meat space, you're giving them every signal that you don't give a shit about yourself because you're just whoring out all your fucking, and that's no offense to whores. Okay. I'm just, I mean, you know, to, 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 to people that do the work, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you're just really, you're just spreading your legs for Amazon here, baby. Take me. What the fuck? And you get mad at, at governments for, for, for treating you like shit. No, you treat yourself like shit. You hold yourself cheap. You think your data means nothing. You think that your time and your privacy and, and what you do is somehow, no, that can be open to fucking everybody. No shit. I'm not blaming the victim here. You know, don't, don't misconstrue me, but also understand that you're sending out the wrong message. You're sending out the wrong message and the structure shouldn't exist that can act upon that message. The infrastructure shouldn't be there. Okay. So again, I'm not blaming you, but have some self-respect. Will you please? Okay. Now, you know, the sooner that can get into popular culture that what you do with your data is absolutely relevant and integral to your own self-respect, uh, the better off I think we'll all be. That point needs to get put out there, but okay. So MGM, <laughs> did you see that coming? <laughs> Amazon in their continued Amazon world domination tour, which of course is the hashtag that I have made famous, uh, and came up with and created and have been talking about long before any other tech podcast was even talking about Amazon. Yes, you can go back and I can prove it. 
the Amazon World Domination Tour continues, and it has continued into the entertainment space, not just on your sidewalk or, you know, on sidewalk. So that was meant to be punny and it didn't work. Okay. So Amazon has, uh, I mean, granted, I guess this deal can kind of get shut down uh, by bearing legislature, but for $8.45 billion, Amazon is buying out uh, or has made a deal to, so it's intent to inquire or to acquire, not inquire, intent to acquire uh, MGM. So I don't think that this is officially closed yet, um, but this of course happened later on in May of 2021. Wow. Uh, <laughs> MGM, of course, you know, Metro Golden Meyer, uh, the, I mean, a company that just the, the, the history, you know, in movies and even beyond movies, you know, in television shows and the history and entertainment that this company has, I mean, this is OG as far as studios goes. And certainly it's a studio that has had a very, I mean, and I don't need to recount it here that has had, especially in the past 20 years, has had a lot of financial troubles, a lot of financial troubles. Um, but it's a company that kind of would keep moving on because of the strength of a lot of its intellectual, you know, a lot of its franchises, a lot of its IP. It would, you know, it, it really hold on to those. For example, James Bond uh, or something that was popular throughout uh, the 90s and the aughts, Stargate, right? They own the Stargate franchise. So read a little bit more of the details here. Link is in the show notes uh, the, here from CNN Business. Uh, the deal, which is valued at $8.45 billion, gives Amazon an extensive library of film and TV shows that it can use to fill out its prime video content coffers. MGM has a catalog with more than 4,000 films and 17,000 TV shows, according to Mike Hopkins, who heads Prime Video and Amazon Studios. Quote, the real financial value, this is coming from Amazon, from their own exec, the real financial value behind this deal is the treasure trove of IP in the deep catalog that we plan to, and I want to get, there's a reason I'm talking about this. And here's one of the biggest parts that we plan to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. It's very exciting and provides so many opportunities for high quality storytelling. It goes on to say, uh, that see, you know, Jeff Bezos said, uh, the Amazon is really excited about MGM. He said that during a, uh, annual shareholder meeting. Um, so here's the big problem is that word reimagine basically. Yes. Okay. So they can fill up their prime video service with a lot of shit, you know, movies, what, like, like Cleopatra is MGM, right? Uh, I mean, you know, there's just tons of films that they could add in tons of TV shows that they could add in and that become basically Amazon exclusives. Okay. Actually, Bezos continues on. He says, quote, the acquisition thesis here is really very simple. Again, he's talking to shareholders. MGM has a vast, deep catalog of much beloved intellectual property. And with the talented people at MGM and the talented people at Amazon studios, we can reimagine and develop that IP for the 21st century. Now he's laid out what it means for Amazon, but what exactly does it mean for us? I want to hit a quick break and then we'll come right back and I'll talk about what it means for you and me. Be right back with more Sovereign Tech. Woo! Hey. 
Is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time. And you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. You know, I, I planned on this actually being, um, I was going to make this for this MGM conversation. I was going to make it a Sovereign at the Movies uh, episode, you know, special, which again, I, I cannot believe the download numbers on that, <laughs> on, on those, because I've only done like three or four of them so far. Uh, and, and people are, and, and a lot of the feedback I've gotten is phenomenal too. Uh, and I really appreciate that. I was going to make it a part of that. Um, but since... You know, again, I had so much Amazon to talk about already, and by request, I figured I'd just get into it here. Now, admittedly, this is not as perhaps as big a deal as the deal that went down with uh, AT&T and spinning out Warner Media, uh, you know, into Discovery and everything. I mean, wow, uh, I, that, that's a whole other conversation to get into. Um, but this is something that for me, strikes close to home because with, with MGM here, because MGM holds the keys to franchises uh, that are some of, for me, uh, I know I just said keys, but that are key or core, uh, you know, to, to my, my uh, entertainment history and enjoyment um, that are really core to me. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to get into all the stories here around some of these franchises, but I mean, they've been a very, very big part of my life, like great entertainment should be, in my opinion, like truly great entertainment should be, well, art can be somewhat subjective, but I like my entertainment to be inspirational, uh, to be something that not just, you know, like, oh, it has tremendous action or high drama or things like this, but it shows what humanity's capable of. Those are the kind, that's the kind of entertainment that really, really excites me. And that really, I, I carry with me. Um, it's not, you know, <laughs> this isn't all nostalgia goggles. Uh, this isn't all, oh, you know, you're ruining my childhood or anything like that. Um, that gets levied against people far too easily and too often. Um, but, the, you know, we're talking about franchises here that have spanned, many of them have spanned decades some of them have spanned over 50 years. You know, you, you can't just go saying that, oh, wow, you ruined this for, I don't know, 40-year-olds. No, you must have ruined it for everybody, you know, for, for people of all different kinds of ages, you know, if, if something takes some kind of hard turn. Uh, and the hard turn here is really the problem, right? Uh, that is where it was very clear by Amazon's mouth themselves that they plan on reimagining. 
um, this I, you know, the varying IP. Uh, I think personally that the, the, the key IP here, even though there's plenty to choose from within MGM, the key IP for Bezos and for Amazon is James Bond. Uh, I, I, I really, I think that alone they would have spent, you know, almost $9 billion on because as you know, all of these different conglomerates or as, as entertainment as, as uh, uh, companies, as studios conglomeratize more. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody's picking up their, their, uh, their franchises, right? Everybody's trying to have their, like their major money-making franchise. Everybody wants their Marvel. That's just a fact. Obviously Disney is in the best position right now, not only because they own Marvel, but also frankly, 2021 minus some behind the scenes bullshit, uh, as far as what has actually landed. Okay. As in has been produced, sold and sits on, or, you know, however it sits on people's desks, what has landed, what has been made, what is available for you to consume in star Wars in 2021, frankly, a lot of it's been awesome. Uh, not all of it, you know, there's some novels that are, eh, but there have been other novels that are holy fuck. Uh, the second Thrawn, um, origin novel or Thrawn ascendancy novel, uh, was brilliant. Um, the, the, especially the, the main star Wars comic line as in the, the comic titled star Wars, uh, that's been phenomenal this year. Uh, I mean, really, really solid. Bad Batch has been awesome. Even some of the, like some of the weird things Disney plus has done like biomes, star Wars biomes, uh, which is just like that, that 18 minute atmospheric thing. Um, as well as, I mean, like vehicle fly throughs, all this, you know, minus maybe the high Republic may jury still a little bit out on that one. Uh, <laughs> a little bit there, there's definitely problems with it though. Uh, I mean, there, there have been some phenomenal, uh, I mean, Star Wars has just had fantastic, you know, Bad Batch. I mean, it's just had fantastic, uh, fantastic material come out in 2021. And the Marvel diehards are certainly loving what they're getting on Disney plus as well. I mean, I think it's all shit, but they seem to be loving it. And then frankly, Disney, I mean, you know, they have everything from Fox that they just have to touch. Uh, I mean, speaking of comic books, like what they've been doing with the alien universe, uh, Marvel's, you know, three issue run so far I've enjoyed. Um, I mean, so they have, you know, they have alien to, to, to do whatever the hell they're going to do with. Uh, I hope they don't go through a reimagination process with it, but bottom line being is that certainly Disney is really, really winning here. Um, as far as the amount of franchises they have, ultimately Amazon has no franchise. I mean, their Lord of the Rings push that they were trying to do with, you know, a new series and everything. Uh, is a gamble. Um, they did not end up, you know, they stopped going forward with Ian e M. Banks's culture series. Uh, you know, they, they don't really have any, you know, they don't have much uh, uh, to go forward with. But James Bond, you know, now that's something that you can run with. That's something that you could take on, really, that can take on Star Wars, that can take on Star Trek, you know, owned by, by CBS slash Viacom, whatever. Uh, Paramount, of course, now is back with CBS, but previously Paramount had Mission Impossible. And I think I talked about this in, in an episode previous, but 
most people don't realize just how big of a fucking deal. I mean, or actually, I think a lot of people do. That's why they're so successful. But I don't think a lot of genre fans realize just how massive the Mission Impossible franchise is, which is probably why they're making two movies at a time right now. And then, I mean, there's the Fast and the Furious franchise. There's these big franchises. Amazon has none of them. Netflix can kind of get the scraps from some of them, right? If anything, it's like the kid versions, like, say, the Fast and Furious cartoon uh, that they happen to have. But really, Netflix is in an an interesting position here, okay? Um, I want to talk about this for a second. Because clearly Amazon, with buying MGM, I mean, their primary target, I don't know that they think they can go toe-to-toe with Disney+. And actually, Amazon and Disney do have some interesting contracts where a lot of uh, physical media for Disney can only be sold on Amazon. So I don't necessarily see Amazon targeting Disney, at least not yet. But they are definitely targeting Netflix. Now, maybe right now you're having a bit of entertainment wars here, like the classic studio wars. And right. And, and what you're ending up with is Amazon versus Disney, right? In fact, I wouldn't be surprised because again, MGM has had, uh, has had financial troubles for at least the past 20 years. Um, they probably, I could imagine that Disney probably felt like they couldn't get, um, you know, like, like they couldn't get a, cause they just bought Fox. They could, they probably felt they couldn't get past or get the, get buying out MGM, uh, past the regulators as to where Amazon doing it. I guess they feel like that, that, that would happen, uh, especially now that, that Trump's not in office, uh, since, you know, he was so anti Amazon. So I think that Bezos who clearly acts on the incredibly flawed <laughs> playbook, uh, of Sun Tzu's art of war. Um, I think he's thinking the enemy of my enemy is my friend and Amazon and Disney are targeting Netflix. And then maybe Bezos thinks that he and Disney can duke it out or whatever that takes shape as, or they, they, they take on AT&T. But again, this plays into kind of like sidewalk, right? What we were just talking about where sidewalk is ultimately getting Amazon out from under the thumb of the telcos say like AT&T, you know, where, where, you know, certain, you know, with Warner media, all that. But here's the interesting thing that I wanted to get into with Netflix. Netflix now, as we've seen, is starting to get into the products uh, business, right? Like selling a, starting a clothing line, starting other things. And you could say, oh yeah, clothes, well, humble, you know, whatever, what's the big deal about a clothing line? Like Disney does clothing lines. Yes, they do. Uh, you know, who cares about that? Well, frankly, I see. So what you have is, is that you have Amazon they're going into the entertainment industry, right? They, you know, they already have the product industry sewn up, or at least it appears that way for right now, right? That's a big part of the Amazon world domination tour. Now they're looking to get into entertainment. I mean, they, they've been doing it for years, but now certainly putting down $9 billion, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> makes a statement of how serious you are about this, that you're not going away anytime soon and that you're not failing. Netflix is doing basically the reverse, in my opinion. And this is a prediction on my part. We'll see if I end up being right, but I'm pretty sure 
as I often am with my predictions, that I will be. Netflix is going the other way around. They're an entertainment company. And now they're looking at, okay, yeah, and, and maybe they feel like they've peaked as far as, uh, you know, subscribers and, and all this. And, you know, they need to, to get into other modes. I mean, I, I did a whole episode where I talked about the Paramount decree that, uh, that Trump overturned, which is where studios can't own basically movie theaters and, you know, other aspects of distribution. That's no longer true anymore. So now, you know, there are ways that uh, entertainment companies, that, that movie studios and studios in general can, our entertainment studios in general can really scale up now. Okay. So I'm sure Netflix is looking at that, but I mean, and just look at what's happening with AMC, but Netflix, I think is doing the reverse. They're getting into the products business. We'll see where that goes. Um, but they're, they're trying to cut into what Amazon does. Right. So it's not Amazon's entertainment, you know, as, uh, aspirations, but, Amazon's, you know, underlying business of being the everything store, right? Where they offer everything. Netflix, I think, wants to get to that point. And you can say that's crazy, but I don't think so. <laughs> and they're one of the few companies out there that really has the the social cachet and the money to actually do a very real push like that. Um, especially because, here's the thing, is that the reason... The reason Amazon was able to even begin the Amazon world domination tour, as I call it, the reason Amazon was able to suddenly out of nowhere be in everything and do everything was because for the bulk of the, or for the first 10 to 15 years of the company's existence, most people thought of it as a bookstore, even though it was going well beyond books, even years, you know, years before that 15 year, within that 15 year time frame. Most people just thought of it as a bookstore. And then suddenly it just became so much more, you know, and everybody's like, oh yeah, order it on Amazon. It's cheaper. Oh yeah. You know, and all this. And certainly the mobile revolution, you know, the, as in when smartphones became a thing and you could basically, when you were in a store, you could look up how much the thing you want was on Amazon and you found out that it was like $20 cheaper or whatever. Um, you know, that's how Amazon became so dominant in, in the shopping space, Right. But nobody was thinking about the privacy concerns or, oh, that Amazon's too big or something like that. Uh, as to where with Google, they felt that way because Google's been trying to cut in on Amazon's, you know, shopping business uh, for some years now, but has failed completely, partly because people actually have the concern, oh, I don't want to give more to Google. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to shop through, I don't trust Google, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, depending upon what part of the world you're in, I guess, on that, but you know, certainly that, that that's there as to where Amazon like snuck up on everybody. And I think Netflix, nobody has any real, even though they should, nobody has any real privacy concerns around Netflix as a company. And so I think they can be seen as largely benign and people would be apathetic towards any of their goals. And, you know, a clothing line is really like a, a great way to start, or at least it's innocuous enough, but they're starting off uh, basically in, in the hot, uh, I guess in the high end fashion line, uh, as far as I, as far as I understand it. Um, and that was just, that was earlier in May that they finally announced this. Um, so, you know, so here's the thing, like why do, cause you might be wondering even in the first place, why is Amazon so interested in being in the entertainment space? 
why is Apple, you know, so hot about Apple plus or, you know, Apple TV plus or whatever. Why are they so hot about being in the entertainment space and having these franchises and everything? I've said this many times. You've got to understand that the products that a lot of these tech companies and Amazon is ultimately a tech company, the products that these tech companies develop or these services, there is an upper limit, right? In fact, I, well, all right. Well, I'll just keep going with this train of thought because Netflix, again, is kind of doing this in reverse, but we'll explain. There, you know, you, you run out of people that, that you can have this continuous growth with, right? Okay. Of, of people using your, buying your products and, you know, signing up for your services and everything else. Art is the thing that, you know, is kind of infinitely scalable right? You don't have to innovate to make a lot of money off of entertainment. You really don't. Okay. And, and that's abundantly clear. I mean, just from Marvel's own success, right? Because I mean, how banal those movies are, people still just keep buying in. So it's not like art has to be great because practically nothing Marvel has done outside of maybe, you know, first couple Iron Man movies, um, you know, has been worth anybody's shit. But basically, art is that infinitely scalable space that requires no inf- uh, no innovation, you know, and you can keep people, you know, keep bringing people in. Okay, so that's why these tech companies are getting into that because it's something that they can keep getting, like, and say now they can get a subscription, sir, you know, a fee out of everybody, and they can just keep they can just keep it going up and up and up and up, and they can slowly charge more as time goes on. Now, I feel like Netflix has, has at this point in time with the 7 billion people on the planet has really hit an upper limit of the amount of people that will buy into a subscription entertainment service. Okay. And that's why they're starting to look what could seem to be backwards where now they're looking at, well, we're going to make physical products. Um, but also, I mean, there is still room for growth and, but that wasn't possible until the Paramount decree got overturned again, which, which we talked about previously. Um, I'm actually surprised at how few entertainment shows and outlets uh, or like podcasts haven't talked about that because that's just one of the biggest deals in the past 50 years, hell 60, 70 years of, of, of entertainment, but regardless. And I mean, ultimately for what prime Amazon prime originally was about, you know, about having this, exclusive kind of shopping experience. I think also Amazon has kind of hit the upper limit uh, of that. And so now, all right, what do we do to, to, you know, to make prime uh, their main subscription fee more worth it? Well, that's where, you know, bringing in MGM and prime video, you know, that that's where that becomes, comes into play. That's where it becomes a thing. Uh, But I do think that I feel like there is a two prong uh, assault going on here (laughs) against Netflix where Disney plus and Amazon or, you know, Disney and Amazon want to take out Netflix and that's what they're going for. Um, anyway, so to talk about more, you know, I mean, so to some degree, that's what it means to you and I, as in, you know, Netflix might not be the king of entertainment that it has been enjoying for, uh, I would argue Netflix has really been dominating probably for at least the past five, anywhere between five to 10 years now. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily matter to me. I mean, Castlevania's ending and Voltron Legendary Defender already ended. So anything that I cared about that Amazon or that Netflix made, 
is over anyway. So, you know, <laughs> the company can burn for all I care. Uh, anyway, so this reimagining and, you know, we don't have to guess at it. Amazon themselves said we are going to reimagine the IP uh, that they now own. Does this mean they're going to completely reboot? I mean, when Daniel Craig kind of came into the James Bond franchise, they were already sort of rebooting it, right? Which is why they started with Casino Royale. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's abundantly clear. Like they're, they're just going to throw away that history and they're just going to start anew. Um, could a James Bond streaming TV series or, you know, streaming series, not movies, but streaming series. Could that be a very, you know, could that sell a lot of prime subscriptions? Yeah. Uh, I think it can also inspire a lot of people to go and torrent, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I guess these companies think that people won't do that, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I can, I could see that happening because here's, so here's the breakdown of, of how the entertainment industry looks at where do we allocate money? Okay. Basically you have three tiers of entertainment right now. You have the movies that can do, you know, that can make their budget back when the budget is somewhere in the hundred million to $250 million range. So if you can get a return on that investment, you're going to end up in theaters. If your movie is in the $20 million or less, uh, as far as production, uh, you know, or budget, you'll, you may end up in theaters then too, and on streaming services because you're basically low risk at that point. Okay. And you know, the success of other films by a studio can, you know, cover the cost uh, of that kind of film where things get really interesting are in the movies quote unquote movies that are in between that, that have production budgets that are in between those, those extremes, like your $40 million to $80 million movies. Those are going to end up, or say even mini series that end up costing that much. Those are the ones that end up on streaming. And I mean, I would argue that basically anything, almost anything matrix four might be the, might be the exception. And the Fast and the Furious franchises would be the exception too, generally. But just about anything that is in the hundred million plus budget range is probably going to suck because the movie has to make so much money it can't actually mean anything, right? Like it has to appeal to the lowest common denominator, and thus it is stupid by default, uh, unless it has some kind of amazing history to it. Now, James Bond could be in that range, could be in that you know major success range because it has been historically. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did more of if they went with like a miniseries uh, event, which is something that you just have to keep coming back and have to keep your Amazon Prime subscription. Right. Because you got to see that new that the second season of James Bond or whatever. Maybe they'll do a bunch of things with James Bond and tons of offshoots and everything in that universe. You really could create an entire universe with James Bond. Um, and I think you could do really great things. So I don't necessarily think that Amazon's going to make shit with James Bond, like that they're going to make shitty, you know, content, whatever that ends up happening, whatever that looks like. But um, I also really despise that they are wanting to throw away that entire history. Uh, I mean, when the Daniel Craig movies came in, um, like the way that they were sort of billed was that 
yes, it was weird because, you know, we we're dealing with smartphones and everything else, but they were meant to be the origin stories up to Dr. No, right. Kind of in your, in your head canon. That's how it was, they were, these movies were supposed to be thought of. But I think for, you know, for Amazon, it's just going to be a complete erasure. And hey, you know what? Yes. Can we go back and still watch all the great Pierce Brosnan movies and the great Roger Moore movies? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll have those forever. And that's awesome. Uh, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll do something amazing with James Bond. I, I can't say. That's not really the franchise I'm that worried about, though, either. That's definitely the one they wanted. But. And, and was really the crux of the whole deal, I think. But I'm more concerned about them redoing Stargate. We, I talked about this with Rob in the late, re, most recent episodes of TIE Fighter Renegades. You know, he said it, I said it. I mean, there's just, there is no reason to re, you know, to, to completely reimagine and remake Stargate. There's no reason to do that. Just continue the fucking story. You have this gigantic universe that you can have so much fun in, so much history that you can replay all of it. There is no point to reimagining that you don't need to. It's, it's your star Trek. It's whoever owns it. It's their star Trek. And all they got to do is just go next gen with it. You know what I mean? And just keep the story going. That's the real crime here. Um, they also now own the Rocky movies. Uh, that's actually been a very successful. That's had a, a successful resurgence as a franchise with the Creed films. Uh, which Creed one was fantastic. Creed two. I wasn't so hot on, um, but are we going to get a Creed three from Amazon? Yeah, I imagine. So uh, there have been long rumors of uh, a Rocky origin or <laughs> we already had a Rocky origin story, but like basically origin stories in Rocky, you know, is Amazon going to do that? Are they going to remake Rocky at some point? I think that would be a fucking insult. I think anytime you, you know, the Academy Awards, fuck them. They're, they're kind of meaningless, but there was a time where I think they had some meaning. And when Rocky won best picture, I think it had some meaning. Um, I, I, I think it's a ridiculous insult to, you know, to, to remake uh, a movie, you know, of that caliber, but maybe could we get, I mean, now they own RoboCop. Are we going to get more RoboCop films? Probably. And it'll be another remake. And, you know, I mean, the thing with remakes is that it's just, it's boring. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to is that it's boring. And usually you already have a classic and it's a classic because it's going to hold up for all time. And I, I mean, the first Robocop absolutely holds up for, for all time. In fact, if anything, uh, there's an irony if, <laughs> if Amazon makes a robo, a new Robocop film, because you could argue, you know, Amazon is OCP, right? <laughs> I mean, really? That's what the whole film was making fun of. And I guess that ultimately gets to the point. And that is, is that any franchise in the past that you thought had, you know, any real meaning, you know, the old versions will still have their meaning. That's true. But I mean, they're, they're, they're just, every franchise is just going to get shit on and shit on and, and shit on. The shame is, is that I, I kind of wish. See, Amazon is already wildly successful. Not that I'm happy about that. Okay. <laughs> My conversation about Amazon sidewalk uh, didn't prove that. Well, just listen to Sovereign Tech a lot more. Believe me, it gets proven. Um, Amazon 
could really be, could, could really do with, with all of this great, uh, you know, all these great franchises and with all this, this great material from MGM, you know, and the, just the, the treasure trove of stuff that's already been made, they could really treat all that right. Or they could really make great uh, uh, TV series, like a new Stargate series that follows up on the story of, say, Stargate Universe or more of SG-1, whatever, you know, but plays in that canon. Or they could continue the James Bond canon more, whatever. You know, I mean, like, like they, they could they could just continue with these things, may, do them right, not worry about appealing to the lowest common denominator. Why? Because they already have a wildly successful business underneath their entertainment arm. They could do what they've done with the expanse where the expanse is literally just a labor of love. They're not making money off of that. No way. <laughs> Maybe they brought in a few new subscribers from, you know, from those who were watching originally on Siffy, but no, like, like there, there, there's no way they're making money on that uh, because the audience for a show of that intelligence production value and just overall caliber is so minute in the world. Like they, they cannot, that cannot be profitable for them, but they make it anyway. Right. And to Bezos's credit, he is a sci-fi fan. He's a real sci-fi fan, a hardcore sci-fi fan. I think that's a fact. Okay. I mean, there's a reason he wanted to be in Star Trek beyond with no fanfare or not any real fanfare. Uh, cause you, did you see him? No, <laughs> right. If you wanted to be in there a fanfare, you'd know it was Bezos in the film. But regardless, my point being here is that Bezos really could make something and not care about pleasing the plebes, pleasing the normies, pleasing the mundanes with the production. And he could just make genuinely intelligent, uh, you know, well-produced movies and TV, you know, and, and TV series or miniseries or whatever. Not again. And the reason is, is that he doesn't have to make money off of them. Right. And, and I hate this. I hate that this is just the way of things, but money just gets in the way of great art. It really does. Um, you know, when you have to make a return of $500 million on a movie, Again, you have to get millions and millions of people to sit down. But when you're trying to make something that appeals to so many people, it can't be deep and meaningful, you know, I mean, because we're all individuals, we all have different tastes and everything, but you know, even though smaller groups of us share certain tastes or whatever, that, that, that profit motive just really does fuck up entertainment. There was a time where you could make a movie like Star Wars for 10 million and even adjust for inflation. It's still a inexpensive film, ultimately, uh, you know, and, and, and movie studios saw that as worthwhile to do. Now they don't see it that way anymore. Now it's, oh, no, anything with special effects has to has to do one billion dollars or it's not worth it. And what a fucking shame. As I've said many times, we got lucky in the 80s. That's why so many great franchises and movies were made in the 80s. We got lucky in the 80s because the studio heads were stupid. Okay. Had tons of money, but they were stupid. They didn't, and, and they didn't understand Star Wars, but they knew they didn't understand Star Wars, but they realized that they all, you know, flubbed by not wanting Star Wars minus Fox. Uh, and so they were just throwing money 
anything they could, you know, and, and hoping that something would make a return uh, on investment like Star Wars did. But that's how we got a lot of these big budget productions and everything throughout the 80s, because the studios were willing to risk because it seemed worthwhile to them. OK, yeah, we might not understand it, but we got to try because the money Fox made was insane. You know, this Star Wars thing is going to kill us all. Might still be true. <laughs> uh, but Regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's, you know, so you either want dumb money or you just want money that doesn't care that like that, that that's not where the money gets made. Right. Like Lucas could take the risk on the special editions and on the prequels for star Wars. Um, because he, here, he, you know, here he had more money than God. It didn't really matter. He was, I mean, they were passion projects, you know? <laughs> so, and, and that's the thing is that when it's anything less than a passion project or a passion project that somehow slips under the radar, right? Um, like how did we end up with Babylon five? It's because Warner brothers was trying to, trying to find something that compared on television to the success of star Trek, the next generation. That's, that's why they went with Babylon five and they, you know, and they, they, they let it ride for a little while. That's it. So the profit motive, not necessarily money, but just the profit motive. Okay. That's particular aspect uh, of money as it exists in the modern world. The profit motive is it just kills everything. It really does. I mean, you could argue that in other aspects of society that, you know, it's an improvement. Um, you know, there's arguments to be had there or, you know, that it allows for improvements and innovation. There are, there are arguments to be had there, but in entertainment, oh no, that's why the best stories are still being told in novels. Why? Because fuck making the novel costs practically nothing other than paying the author, <laughs> you know, and sure. I mean, there's, there's paper production and all that stuff, but even that, you know, with eBooks, that's not even necessarily a thing. Um, it's a very low bar of what you have to make back when you take a risk on even a new author or on a, uh, uh, a very controversial story or something that's just so wildly different. You know, that's why novels are books are never going to go away because that's the only place where you can really count on forward thinking. That's where in all other realms of, of genre fiction and entertainment, I mean, it's just not, it, it, you know, to, to the people who have the money, it's too risky. So there you have it. I think a lot of nuggets to pull from that, but while we're talking about books, Let's talk about books. This is our third story uh, in this little Amazon trilogy we have going on here <laughs> of stories. I'm probably going to title the episode just fucking Amazon. And you can read that in whatever tense you want or whatever uh, 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 <laughs> tone you want. Some may hear that as a, you know, a, a complaint. Others may hear it as a course of action. <laughs> anyway, if you want to, if you see it as a course of action, uh, I have a trick for you. Um, so recently I was uh, purchasing a, uh, well, okay. So here's the thing is that Amazon is a place where they already are incredibly dominant is with books. Um, and this is another area where the relationship, the partnership, whether it's spoken or unspoken or known or unknown between Disney and Amazon is, is pretty clear. Um, because, you know, when you look at like, okay, so who gets the audiobook versions of star Wars books, which are huge sellers, by the way, the audiobook versions, uh, particularly 
Well, that's Amazon. Uh, not that Disney isn't hedging their bets with some interesting deals with Barnes and Noble, but regardless, um, Amazon really dominates in the book space, be it audiobooks, eBooks, even regular books, right? So a lot of times the only way, and, and I mean, the only way that I can get books is by purchasing them via Kindle, you know, via, via Amazon's ebook service. Uh, and there might not even be audiobooks out there. Okay. Um, also, if you're thinking, well, can't you just go to one lib? Can't you just go to, can't you just go to Pirate Bay and torrent it? Can't you? No. There are books out there that for whatever reason are just not available on those services. Okay. And I'm not talking, even talking about physical books. You say, oh, you don't have to buy physical books on Amazon. You can buy the used ones at a books. Amazon owns a books. Go to eBay. Okay. But I can't get the eBooks there. Right. Ha. Uh, <laughs> so I have to buy the eBooks on Amazon. It's the only place that they, that some of these books exist. So I was picking up uh, the latest uh, book in the Green saga by John Norman. And it's amazing how long that book series has been going. <laughs> it's amazing. It's still going. And I fuck John Norman's got to be shy. 80, if not 80, but I was picking up his latest, which came out at the end of May, 2021, which was Avengers of Gore. I think it's like book 37 or something of the series. Been reading it since I was a teenager. I fucking love these books. Um, and I bought it. I immediately went to, uh, op I opened up EPUB or, right? It's E-P-U-B as in EPUBs and then or, or. I went to EPUB or, opened that up on my computer to strip the DRM immediately. I'm not returning the book. John Norman can have my money. He deserves it. Okay. He's, he's that good. Um, but I want to strip the DRM and be able to transfer it immediately between my devices. Right. So EPUB or has been my go-to for quite some time because ever since, uh, Amazon switched over from the AZW three format to KFX, uh, the usual ways of, breaking their uh, digital rights management on their eBooks haven't really worked. Okay. And EPUB or does a great job of not only giving you, basically the trick was, is that EPUB or would give you access to the XE file that would give you an older version of the Kindle for PC software that would force Amazon servers to give you the AZW three version of the book. Okay. And not the KFX version of the ebook. And if those who are into ebooks and stripping DRM, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to spend a ton of time, like breaking this down. I am giving you an update on how to do it. Okay. Or folks can go and look into it for themselves also, but I'm going to tell you how to do it because I did do an episode a little while back, uh, maybe about a year ago where I explained, okay, here is how you strip DRM from books. So we're updating that here uh, because I did find a way but it's a bit of a pain in the ass and you're going to give more money to Amazon, but I'll explain. So I bought Avengers of Gore, did my usual process. EPUB or says that it stripped the DRM, but it did not. And EPUB or was also really slick because it gave you it, you know, built in granted you could just use Calibre, but, or caliber, however they pronounce that. Um, it would convert to EPUB. You could just do it right within the EPUB or software. And it wouldn't do it. 
And it was so weird because I had just bought another book on Kindle. I don't know, maybe a week previous. So whenever this change came down, basically it's very recent. Uh, again, Avengers of Gore is a book that just came out just days ago as of this release. So I made sure I had the latest version of EPUB or maybe there was some kind of change made. Uh, I got the latest version of it. It still didn't work. Um, I went to EPUB or site. They have a blog there to see if they did any updates. It is not uninteresting that they did a major refresh to their DRM stripping guide in May of 2021. They updated it for May of 2021, probably because that's when this new DRM scheme for Kindle books uh, came out. So I looked at that. I went through the process, all the ways that you could to do it through EPUB or, and every time it just wouldn't work. So I looked into, uh, now one of the, you know, they offer other ways that you can do it. And basically you can do it through, uh, Calibre. I always call it Calibre. So if, if you call it caliber, I don't know, whatever, but that's just what I've always called it. Um, there, there is an very old plugin that also gets continually updated for Calibre called D that's D E D DRM tools. Okay. This is the plugin for Calibre and I installed that and I tried the same deal and it didn't work. Now, one of the ways that EPUB or is also capable of stripping the DRM is if you have an actual e ink, not a Kindle fire an e ink Kindle device, like a paper white an OG Kindle or, um, you know, or a base Kindle or say, you know, a Kindle Oasis or something like that. I happen to have a ninth generation Kindle Oasis. And you have to get the serial number for it. You have to put the serial number into EPUB or, and then you download the book onto your Kindle device and then EPUB or will strip it from there. That did not work. Okay. I did that through EPUB or that did not work, but what you can do. So, so here, here's, here's kind of the trick. And th this is how you make it happen. Um, you do use Calibre instead of EPUB or I I've written that off which is fine because basically it only exists for windows anyway. So if I can do this without a windows computer, awesome. Great. Which with Calibre you can, cause Calibre is fucking everywhere. So with, so what I did was, is I installed the plugin for, of DDRM for Calibre, which that's how I used to do it in the past. But when they switched to KFX DDRM stopped working, but they've updated it now, but you still, you got to do more. It's similar to what I just described with EPUB or here's what you can do. You can do the same thing where you can connect your Kindle to your computer. Calibre will recognize it and read everything that's on the device. And then you could strip it from there. Okay. But here's the thing in the DDRM plugin, you have to go into the settings of the DDRM plugin now, and you have to put in the serial number of your Kindle e-ink device. Again, it has to be an e-ink device. You've got to have that serial number. At some point, I imagine you got to have the, well, I don't think you have to have the device. I don't know if you can just share serial numbers with everybody. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I would kind of imagine at some point that that would be a problem like that. Amazon would say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, how is this serial number that's being tossed around? I mean, maybe they, maybe they don't do that because maybe the serial number is just what breaks the encryption on the actual file. I'm not exactly sure. Um, 
So, you know, in fact, I should probably try it because someone else out there probably pasted, you know, or put up their, their serial number for their Kindle device. And I bet that you could make it happen because you also don't have to download it to the Kindle device and then plug in the Kindle device to the computer. You can go to, well, ah, see, this is why it wouldn't work. Okay. Yeah. So you're going, (laughs) as I'm talking this out, that's why this wouldn't work because you either have to download it from the Kindle device or you have to log into the person, you have to log into your Amazon account and you can go to the contents and devices tab, which Amazon basically buries in your account. And you can download the book from there. The thing is, is that the book won't work anywhere without the serial number basically to unlock the encryption or the, not the encryption, but the DRM on the file, right? On the AZW file, or, you know, even though it's KFX, they still title it AZW. So you're going, you need to have bottom line. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was like, well, could you share a serial? No, not really. You really, I mean, you could share serial numbers and the book, but then why not just share the, the DDRM book, right? Um, or the strip DRM book. So you need to have a Kindle e-ink device. The fortunate thing is, is that you can get, you know, Kindle e-ink devices, like the base device, especially used, you can get them for like 40, 50 bucks, nothing. Yeah, you know, I mean, basically pennies compared to all the books you're suddenly going to get access to. You don't need to buy a Kindle Oasis. You don't even need to buy a Kindle Paperwhite. Um, you just need something that gives you access to either the files from your own account online, from the from the contents and devices page, or um, you need, and I, you, I'm pretty sure you need an e-ink device to do that. Like if you just have a Kindle Fire, you don't get the download and and transfer via USB option. I'm pretty sure. And also you wouldn't have the serial number, which is the most important part of this, because if you don't have the serial number plugged into the plugin, uh, the DDRM plugin in Calibre, the DDRM plugin won't work. Okay. It'll say that your book is a rented copy and that DDRM doesn't work on it. And I know, cause I, I tried this out, which is why I'm telling you how to go about it. So basically you're going to have to buy a Kindle device. Okay. A Kindle e-ink device to strip DRM from, you know, Kindle books going forward, or at least this is the way that I've seen uh, that, that really works. So, I mean, it kind of sucks because I mean, I love my e-ink devices, but admittedly with my Kindle fire, you know, it's not, it's been rare that I've reached for my, my Kindle Oasis, not that I ever really plan on getting rid of it, but now I can't, now I'm going to hold on to it forever, you know, cause the thing's tough as nails for one. And it's my guaranteed access <laughs> to getting stripped, uh, DRM versions of books, you know, that I end up, uh, uh, purchasing. And again, let me make it abundantly clear. There are books that are only available on Amazon. I mean, even like with my books, most of the time, you know, they're only available on Amazon. I do make them available elsewhere, but they're only on Amazon partly because just like it's 90% of the market share for, for eBooks. And some of the books I write are meant for the masses. Like it is for the masses, you know, to, to, to take in. Um, so anyway, it's bullshit that we have to deal with DRM. I'm not going to spend, you know, any time in this episode explaining why DRM is bullshit. The simple response of I bought the book. I should be able to do what I want with it is enough. Okay. 
<laughs> we can get into other problems with DRM, but really that's enough. Uh, but this is how you have to do it now in as of May of 2021. Um, other software that I have tried, I mean, just none of it, none of it works. You've got to buy, you got to buy a Kindle, a Kindle e-ink device, and you're going to have to go through that process. But fortunately, once you buy the Kindle e-ink device, all you pay for is the book from that point forward. And you don't have to, I mean, like EPUB or I think costs like 40 bucks or something like that. And they even try to do subscription fees and all this other crap. And I mean, I appreciate what they're putting out there, but at the same time, no, thanks. You know, <laughs> I'm already buying the book. Come on. Uh, but that's the process that you have to go through. Um, it's a shame that Amazon has that much of a stranglehold. It's insane that Amazon has even more of a stranglehold now on the entertainment industry in a very real way by owning MGM. But this is where we're at. Uh, we could get into a very abstract conversation around, you know, if you wanted to around ethical consumption of entertainment or ethical entertainment and all this other stuff, that's not the purpose of this episode. And I don't want to go there. Basically I had three things that Amazon has done uh, that pisses me off. And I know that some of you emailed me, especially about sidewalks saying stallion, you know, what do you think about this? And so I got an episode put together and put it out there for you. You know, we don't have to get those bigger subjects we can have um, at another time. So I'll wrap this one up almost two hours here <laughs> of all Amazon all the time. No, <laughs> it makes for a great supplemental episode uh, to get out there. And also I hope that, I mean, when, you know, like when Rob and I have conversations around entertainment, this is the direction that we often, you know, a lot of times we bring up these kind of broader views that I think are very rare in entertainment podcasts. And that a lot of people I don't think realize, because, you know, you think like, say, when I do TIE Fighter Renegades with Rob, you think, oh, well, they're, they're just going to talk about Star Wars and science fiction or something like that. Oh, no, 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 no. A lot of times the subject matter goes into, you know, everything and anything about entertainment, about the future of entertainment in general. And I think that that's incredibly important. And so if you've skipped, say, TIE Fighter Renegades, or if you've skipped my Sovereign at the Movies episodes, know that you're probably missing out on some insights that might actually be relevant to you. So maybe that, uh, you know, part of the Amazon conversation in this episode uh, inspires that. So I'll wrap this up uh, more sovereign tech to come all kinds of episodes actually lined up to come out. And I can't wait to share it all with you as well as some of the amazing news going on. Uh, Cause not everything has to be bad. So I will see all of you woo, on the other side.